Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the show which talks to Christian leaders about the topics that really matter. I'm Andy Peck. I welcome to the Leadership File, Dave Shippham. Dave works as a pastor at Heart of England Revival Church in Kenilworth, Warwickshire. His ministry spans over 25 years and he was trained under Colin Urquhart, whose programme Faith for Today was a regular feature of Premier Radio back in the day. So we're looking to um, the topic of perseverance as a leader. How can we make sure we keep on keeping on? So welcome, Dave, to Leadership Farm. Thank you, Andy. Good to, uh, good to welcome you. I, I mentioned Colin Urquhart in the introduction. Of course, he was part of your early development as a leader. Yeah, he was. We need to go back quite a few years to 1983, I think it was. Mm. And soon after I was saved, I heard about Colin Urquhart, who um, operated um, his ministry from somewhere called The Hyde in Sussex. And on Tuesday evenings, um, he used to hold meetings where you could uh, go along and we'd sit on the lawn in The Hyde, all these seats on the lawn. And... uh, it was just something powerful the way he ministered that I hadn't come across before in my local church. And uh, soon after that, we had a team from uh, their ministry who came to our church and they mentioned a new Bible college that had started called Roffey Place and that's still operating today. And I just felt in my heart, God was telling me I needed to go to Roffey Place and be a student there. Mm. And at the end of a year there, which was an incredible year, I mean, as a very young man at that point. I spent most of the year travelling with uh, the late Bob Gordon, mm-hmm. uh, Colin and uh, David Pawson, and there were national uh, uh, trips all up and down the country. I think they called it Faith in Action, where lots of churches would be getting together in different areas and uh, holding these big uh, crusades. And so my training through college was mainly playing the guitar on stage, going to these events. We only knew three chords, but all the choruses back then only had three <laughs> chords. And, uh, yeah. But through that time, God was really developing a hunger for mm. him uh, in my heart and watching the integrity of these uh, men of God just traveling around with them. So that's how I got to know of Kingdom Faith. And then at the end of the year, um, the courses there are longer now, but at the end of the year, we were praying, all the students were praying about what they should be doing. And... Uh, Colin just happened to be looking for someone to be traveling with him, carrying his bags, living in his household, because mm. uh, he's always lived in extended community. And um, I, I thought I was the most unlikely, unholy candidate. But his son, Clive, who's a good friend of mine now as well, said Dave would be great being on the team, which was a surprise to me. But somehow, through the grace of God, mm. I ended up moving into uh, Colin's household in Bolney, which was an old vicarage, and just serving. I was about 20 years old by then traveling with him took us to south africa when they still had apartheid all around europe so my learning and my training under him was basically on the job mm. really seeing on a on an international scale what god was doing through churches and being part of those ministry trips well well now of course those, those, those sort of things can can go both ways there's a sense in which it can be an encouragement and spur yeah. to ministry or it can be daunting and you think crumbs i could never do it like that yeah uh, you obviously, there was part of that that was a spur to you to eventually go into pastoral ministry yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The background I came out of was um, uh, very insecure, very shy, mm. uh, walked into a room, everyone's looking at you syndrome. Um, and Colin always said the same, that everything God asked him to do, he would have to depend on the Lord to enable him to do it. Mm. 
Um, so in a way, that's been an advantage because um, everything through the ministry and through watching Colin operate, um, being a very shy person to talk to individually, and yet God would place him in front of hundreds and hundreds of people and then would start to do the same to me, whether it be in prisons in Guernsey, uh, in South Africa, France, different places. God would always put us into places, and I learned from him to therefore depend on the Lord in places where you knew in your own strength you weren't the latest uh, uh, star on the block as it were but you would need to depend on God to use you and so my training under him was very very important I realized because mm. it made me realize I didn't have to depend on myself my weakness doesn't matter mm. but God would always enable us to do anything he asked us to do if we trusted him yeah wonderful so you serve now as a pastor of Heart of England Revival Church mm. how did you come what were the sort of journey points to, to get uh, you there? well I, after uh, towards the end of um working with uh, Colin, traveling with him over the years. I met my wife. She was all, also on the team with him. Mm. And uh, we fell in love on, I think, the trip to South Africa, mm. um, along with watching A Star is Born with Chris Christopherson in it one oh, evening. Well. And uh, began to realize we had feelings for each other. And uh, we realized that our relationship was a distraction on some of the missions and so on and so mm. forth that we were going on. And uh, so we left there and uh, had some different jobs over time. But after a while, we ended up um, going back to Kingdom Faith after they'd planted a church. And from there, um, I was asked if I would be a teacher in the Bible college, which was a joke because I had no education again, but I knew Colin would want me to trust in the Lord. He said, the reason I've given you this job is because you'll be light entertainment for the students. <laughs> um, and so, again, God was stretching us. What? We had to depend on him. We'd mm. teach on all the uh, hot potatoes, abortion, euthanasia, yes. uh, the sanctity of life, so on and so forth. So at the end of that time, um, we uh, ended up uh, with a sense that God was wanting us to go and take all that training and experience we had away from the kingdom faith thing, which was like the greenhouse, a lot mm. of covering protection, and go and put into practice uh, the things we had learned. And uh, through one of the elders there, we discovered this church in Kenilworth, which was formerly a Baptist church, was looking for a new pastor. And through different relationships and process, mm. they invited me up there to go and begin an interesting journey. Well, indeed, we're, we're looking particularly at perseverance as a leader yeah. and uh, the, the presumption. I mean, every leader needs to persevere, but the presumption is that you know, there, must, there must have been some stuff that you were persevering through. Yeah. Um, so, so talk a little bit about, you know, the, the challenge of taking on an existing church where whether, you know, there's a, a, an existing history. Sure. You come from a different background with, with, with designs perhaps to see God at work, perhaps in different ways. What, what are the sort of challenges you faced? Well, when I arrived in Kenilworth, I realised I had a lot of faith, but also a lot of naivety. Mm. And that was my survival point, because all you had to do was speak the truth and it would upset people. <laughs> and that's incredible in a church context, yeah. but it's something I've learned over the years, that most of the opposition that we'll often get isn't from the prostitute or the drug addict or the needy person. Mm. It's from those who don't want to change um, sometimes within the church. And that's mm. been a tremendously painful thing to go through. And uh, I was taught that we're to speak the truth, speak the truth in love. And so on my first morning in Kenilworth, and it was actually the morning Princess Diana had died in a car oh, yes. crash, mm. between the prayer room and the pulpit, an elder said to me, Dave, if you want to score points on your first day, pray for the royal family. And I thought, maybe that's a tradition here. I, I, I don't know why you want me to do that. Um, I said, why do you want me to do that? He says, because Diana's just been killed in a crash. 
So my first sermon between that room and the pulpit, I was having to clear my head very quickly because I was quite upset that this had happened. The reason being, a few months before I'd written to her, because God had told me to write to her with the gospel, and I'd had a response from her Mm. um, or her staff acknowledging that. And so I was struggling. God, are you really telling me to do this at the time? But I really sense it's the right thing, which was another lesson. Always do what you feel the Lord's telling you to do. But moving on, in that first sermon, we were reading from Isaiah, and there were a million things I could have preached on. And God says, I'm going to start to remove the obstacles that are hindering what I want to do in the church. And as I said those words from Isaiah, the Spirit of God fell. And that's where all the opposition kicked off. Because I was learning very quickly that lots of people don't want to change. They want to keep the church as they want it. Mm. They want to stay in their positions. They want to stay behind their piano, so on and so forth. Uh, Or their identity is their ministry. And yet what God was wanting was for a church to be a place that listened to what his spirit was saying Mm. and to do what his spirit was saying, whatever the cost to us personally. Well, well. And and when you... Do you have a fa- you have a family as such that that will come and be part of your church or? Uh, I was, uh, You're married, but did you have married and two children? Two children back then, yeah, they were. Um, I think uh, eight months. I think one of them. One was about two years old. They're now nineteen and seventeen. So man, okay. that's taken me back a very long way. But but I'm just saying that being in the ferment ferment kind yeah. of, of of challenge and criticism, yeah, is, can be very hard, yeah. on the family, especially when you've just moved to an area. Absolutely. The cost on the family is tremendous because Mm. we took them out of a brilliant church being Kingdom Faith Church Mm. where all the children's work was established with about 800 members. Mm. Then you could just go along and enjoy it into a place where there wasn't really a children's work. I remember one night we'd uh, put the boys to bed and there was just this couple shouting in our lounge, cross with us, annoyed. And uh, my wife just had to ask them to be quiet because um, of the, um, I think, effect ministry can have on Mm. families. Uh, but we knew uh, through what Colin had taught us and what we'd lived through that if we were faithful to God, he would look after our family. And if we sowed ourselves as a family into a different area, uh, they would do really well. And they've never gone through teenage rebellion. Mm. Uh, we have the best marriage ever, and I really mm. mean that. We've seen so many marriages fall around. Mm. So we were taught the principle if we put God first, whether it's with our family or finances, anything else, he would honour that. And the scripture says he will honour those who serve him. So we're delighted with the way our boys have grown up um, to love and serve the Lord. In fact, they're both serving the Lord in the church uh, now. One drums, one leads worship, but they love Jesus uh, and have grown up to be great guys. Well, that's, that's terrific to, to be able to hear. So you, uh, what were some of the um, you know, initial signs that people didn't like what you were doing? Or <laughs> Well, we'd have more people come to the church meeting than to a church service. Oh, okay. And the worst thing I think you can ever ask people is what do they think? Because right. they'll tell you. And, of course, God's interested in his church in what he thinks and what the Spirit wants to do, not what the people think. Mm. What we're interested in from the people is what they're discerning God is saying. Mm. And so that distinction needed to be very clearly established because if it's God's church, we needed to establish... It, what he wanted was going to happen. And, of course, Jesus himself in the scripture, we see, would often go away and pray all night just to download mm. what the Father was saying to him. And uh, 
So I've grown up like that. Colin taught me, you know, who are we to do what we think is best? If Jesus, the son of God, needed to draw down from God what his instructions were every day. That's, that's, that's splendid, splendid advice. Good. Well, we're coming to a break now, so um, we'll we'll come back and, and chat this a little bit more. So you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Dave Shipham. Dave is the pastor of Heart, the, sorry, the Heart of England Revival Church in Kenilworth, Warwickshire. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Dave Shepham. Dave is the pastor at Heart of England Revival Church in Kenilworth, Warwickshire. We were talking before the break of uh, Dave's uh, uh, training and development under the ministry of Colin Urquhart. Um, Colin, of course, was uh, uh, a regular on Premier Radio for many, uh, many years. Um, and talking before the break, particularly at the way in which uh, Dave initially found criticism um, as as the church were not too sure that they really wanted the sort of things that God was was wanting to bring. So I suppose the the, the sixty four thousand dollar question, Dave, is is how do you bring change to people who don't really want it? <laughs> well, I had to learn very quickly that I couldn't change anyone. Hmm. Um, one of the uh, things that I've taught and practiced over the year is um, that my time with God is the most important thing. So I'd go across uh, the manse, the church house was opposite the church. I'd go across every morning in the early hours and just praise God mm. for half an hour at a time, whatever else was going on. Mm. I wouldn't focus on the problems. I would just praise God and know that he would somehow deal with the problems in a way that I wasn't qualified to mm. do. And what I found was is that what ends up happening is if I focused on the Lord, trusted him, what would flow out of me would come out of my encounter with him and automatically those that didn't want what the Holy Spirit were doing would start falling away one by one by one. You'd get a lot of accusation with that. You'd get a lot of abuse with that. But Jesus tells us again in Scripture that if it happened to him, it will happen to us. But I discovered if I wanted a comfortable life, I would just need to disobey God <laughs> at one level because then people could do what they wanted. The minute we decided to obey God, and trust in him as his spirit moved those who didn't want what god was wanting couldn't hang around for too long mm. um, because basically they wouldn't just be standing against us they'd be standing against what god's plans and purposes were that brought with it a lot of pain because you love people mm. but when people decide that they are in charge um, you need strong leadership that's actually mm. going to say actually even i'm not in charge it's what the Spirit of God is wanting to do. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where we went with that. And you needed, I guess, fellow leaders who were with you Absolutely. At, at that level. Absolutely. In fact, in fact, that brings us on to something that uh, I've discovered as well, that we're not called to do it on our own. And that's why it's been so important over the years to stay in touch with fellow leaders and with people like Colin, Clive, mm other leaders who have the same heartbeat mm. and that when you're going through difficult times, when you're going through times when you feel isolated um, and when you feel on your own, that you have those around you that will encourage your faith mm -hmm. and believe what you're believing in the direction in which you are going. Um, and actually there's humility in that because for any of us to say we can do it on our own, I think is actually pride. Um, and it keeps you accountable as well because mm. you can say, uh, I, I've sometimes run all, just driven all the way down to Sussex to run things by Colin or others say, look, 
this is what I'm sensing in this, this is what mm. I'm feeling. What do you sense? I want to submit this to you because um, I trust in the wisdom and that, that God's mm. placed on mm. your life. So it keeps you safe having that mm. attitude. Well, I mean, which brings me to the uh, question about apostolic covering, and which is something, Colin, and you believe in, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, how does it work? It may be an, a sort of concept that's unfamiliar to some some yeah. listeners who are perhaps in denominations where where that's not a typical phrase. Yeah. Well, it's the if you can. I know this is a bit um, naive to pull it like this, but if if you see two levels of churches, some that men are running and some that God are running. One will lack power and one will have the work of the spirit within it. If you want to be one where man is in charge and doing what man wants to do, you don't need apostolic covering because uh, it's just going to do its own independent thing. If you want to be a church that's moving forward in the plans of God Mm. and sensing the purposes of God and what God's saying into not just the local area but the nation and the nations, Mm. you need to be part of something that's much bigger than yourself and so it's not that say we're in relationship with kingdom faith they they don't manage us but it's a relationship where for instance we'll go to faith camp we'll go to conferences but there's input from people who have maybe gone further than us experienced more people like you know i mean colin's been around for years you'd be foolish not to listen Mm. to and download and so it's more of a relational thing where you're um actually saying um, I'm not going to try and do this on my own. We're stronger together. And uh, as we go f- forward together, we will see more fruit in our local area because we're part of something much bigger than mm. ourselves. In our area, I'm a very big fish in a small bowl. <laughs> when I go down to Kingdom Faith, I'm a very small fish in a big bowl. Mm. And I think you need to be able to learn from both areas. Be confident as a leader in your own mm. area recognize some of that confidence comes through having that accountability to something bigger than yourself right right um so t- talking back you know this kind of you've got the apostolic covering which is great you've, you've been facing opposition um there is the temptation to be disillusioned within it yeah. because it is a a wearing business you said yeah. you know if you have to have a comfortable life you'd stop doing it yeah um what are the sort of th- you, you talked about having daily prayer times which which was clearly yeah. key other things that have helped you um to stop just being disillusioned uh basically to love your family like mad mm. um because one of the things the enemy wants to do for us in ministry is wear us down and drive us out mm. um he hates the kingdom of god advancing and he'll do everything he can to destroy ministers and mm. um, one of the books i was going to recommend at the end is by andy elms i've just been at a conference he was speaking at and he's talking about some of the issues leaders face mm. And he says 50% of the ministers starting out will not last five years. Mm. One out of every 10 ministers will actually retire as a minister in some form. In other words, go all the way through a ministry, only one out of 10. And over 1,700 pastors left the ministry every month last year. And over 1,300 pastors were terminated by the local church each month many without cause well and his whole book here is to do with how we can stop the um this attack on ministers um and the way that so many good men and women of god pull out of ministry because of the pressure they're under and of course we recognize very clearly that we all have pressures in the secular world Mm. We all have to pay our bills, so on and so forth. But the added pressure of the spiritual pressure Mm. and sense of responsibility that ministers have really 
does need to be addressed. And so one of the ways um, where, for instance, I'd get attacked with depression mm. or where you have a vision for things and things aren't working out in the way you are is just to get good teaching that will encourage you mm. and build you up and just give you a wider understanding and then just to build people around you that believe in what you're believing, want to go where you're going and will encourage you because there's plenty out there that don't mind discouraging you. <laughs> yes, indeed, yeah. And, and that kind of leads you, you, to your heart being free in the face of the Absolutely. opposition you Absolutely. And, of course, forgiveness is a key, because we do recognise we don't fight against flesh and blood, even though mm. often spiritual opposition is manifest through flesh and blood. Um, and as we see in Scripture, you have all types of spirits that are against the church, the Jezebel spirit, controlling spirit, mm. uh, anything that can come in and try and take you off course from the direction in which God is wanting to lead you. You really do need to be spiritually sharp and discerning, um, which can only come out of your own personal time with the Lord. Mm. Um, because if you spend time with the Lord, the counterfeit is easy to recognize. If your own devotional life gets worn down, and your own time with God, then you're not going to discern um, things in the spiritual level, mm. which is often behind what you're seeing manifest in the uh, fleshly or practical level. Sure, sure. Now, you're, the, the, the title of your church, you said it was a Baptist church when you arrived. It's called the Heart of England Revival Church. Um, the how did that name change come while you were there? or how, how did? That... Uh, yeah, it was when I was praying about, I think the name should reflect what's actually happening. Mm. And uh, it was a name I was uh, driving around one of the motorways one day and I was praying about what God wanting us, was wanting us to call the church. Mm. And God was saying that um, I want revival again all over this nation. Now, I know that we need reformation mm. and we need to come back to doing things God's way and not mm. just the latest, trendiest thing. Or um, I won't go off on one in there. But the, the, the point is, is that God wants to revive his people to that place where he wants them to be. Mm. And I know revival can be interpreted in many different ways. But for me, it means that God wants his children to be living in obedience to him, reflecting his life um, in a way that pleases him. Um, he wants his church revived back to his plans and purposes where he is Lord. Mm. And people aren't just asking God to bless their plans um, but people are actually following his plans and therefore walking in blessing. And I think there's a very subtle thing. We've even had to resist, you know, like seeker-friendly things where if we give everyone three donuts before they sit down and five coffees, we think they're somehow going to be more attracted to church. But the time will come if you do that, when when you truly give the gospel or they're truly challenged, if you've won them over under false pretenses on the first step, mm -hmm. they won't last through. And so we're very clear, clear there's a cost to discipleship there's a cost of following jesus and that's not a popular message mm. if you just have churches full of people being told they're loved and grace abounds i agree in both of those things you will never have disciples you'll just mm. have people there for the ride but the cost of the kingdom holiness all of those areas when they're preached again heaven and hell mm. um not compromising the word of god out of fear of persecution but speaking in love and in truth the word of God, I believe the churches and the nation are going to come alive again in a whole fresh way. That's what I'm living for. Wonderful. Well, it's, uh, it's a fantastic place to finish, Dave. It's, sadly, time has defeated us. As, but thank you so much for what you shared um, on, on perseverance and the importance of keeping your walk with God strong.
at the heart of that and uh, and uh, you know, you. some of the things that you've you've learned along the way. So thank you so thank much. You. Well, you've been listening to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I was joined this week by Dave Shippen. Dave is the pastor at Heart of England Revival Church. I guess you could go go to the website, Dave. Uh, yeah, www.revivalchurch.co.uk. And buy the book by Colin Urquhart, In Christ Jesus, because that will show you how to really get people saved and birthed properly, which will reduce your problem level along the way. Fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. And, um, uh, yeah, and you can listen to archive versions of the leadership, including going back to this one if, uh, if you choose to. I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk.